to the new Blackhawks 720 podcast. Yes, we are renamed here. I'm not renamed. Chris Bowden, your pre and post game host on 720 WGN for Blackhawks Hockey. That starts up on Wednesday night once again, joined by Blackhawks reporter and wearer of all hats here at WGN Radio, Joe Brand. One of those hats being doing news now in the mornings. And as we record here on uh, on Monday afternoon, Joe squeezing us in between a couple of uh, morning shifts on Monday and Tuesday. Good to have you back, my friend, and uh, thanks for taking a nap and uh, stopping by the studio once again to pull this off. I'll take a nap anytime you want me to take a nap, Chris Bowden. Uh, no, yeah, Just don't take one here during the podcast, okay? Can... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll try not to. The No, I mean, the whole new name change has got me so energized. How could I get drowsy after that? Well, yeah, uh, we're we're... After a, a year, we had Scott King, who tied in his uh, Blackhawks Crazy um, website with the Blackhawks Crazy podcast. And uh, when Scott left us, and, and we were fortunate enough to, br- to bring you in, you know, Scott's just been kicking and screaming with all his lawyers, Saul Goodman and everyone else, about uh, getting the Blackhawks Crazy podcast name off of it, his, uh, his trademark rights, which never really existed. So we held on to it because the year had already begun. And uh, now we are switching over to Blackhawks 720, the reason, of course, it's being named that, tying it in here with WGN Radio and WGNRadio.com. So we hope you're comfortable with it and uh, hope uh, Scott is glad he can stop his whining and moaning. <laughs> about uh, Blackhawks crazy, but uh, we think this is fitting, and uh, we'll be coming at you with the the same the same type of content here. And on this one coming up, you'll hear from Calvin DeHaan in a little bit, as well as a uh, real interesting give and take that Andrew Shaw had with the media the first time he was meeting with them uh, last Wednesday, three days into uh, training camp. First chance to talk to him since uh, last November when he last played, when he last had access to reporters. And it was real refreshing and interesting and great to hear from uh, number 65 once again, all over again. But uh, uh, we forge on here on the Blackhawk 720 podcast. And I guess, Joe, the thing as we approach the regular season here on Wednesday, probably something more formal will be announced. But uh, the great unknowns that we're dealing with, Brent Seabrook and Carl Soderberg have yet to. And yes, Soderberg. It's not Soderstrom. Nice, Soderberg. Nice. Uh, I'll tally I'm, I'm it catching down myself one. a little bit more, uh, getting the name right here. Um, have not practiced yet as uh, the plane boards on Tuesday for Tampa Bay. In Soderbergh's case, it's an immigration paperwork issue as he is still stuck in Sweden. Um, and Jeremy Carlton acknowledged after Monday's practice, um, you can pretty much knock out the first four games now, or you can knock off the first four games, the two in Tampa Bay and the two in Florida to start the season. Because once he does arrive here, he's going to have to quarantine for a while. So I think right now they're crossing their fingers and targeting um, the home opener on uh, Friday the 22nd against the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, as far as Brent Seabrook's situation is concerned, uh, everyone's kind of curious because things were looking so good in the training camp before uh, the return to play, the return to the bubble in Edmonton, thinking he was close to play. And uh, for the here and now during training camp, the NHL policy is to say unfit to participate. But then once the regular season begins, the curtain goes up and perhaps more details will be known. And uh Real unfortunate that the Blackhawks don't have these two guys to start the season with the way Seabrook seemed to be trending and his attitude. And then with the injuries to uh, Kirby Dock and the illness to Jonathan Taves, 
Again, no more information coming forward on that. It really would have been great to have Soderbergh ready to go. But this is the hand the Blackhawks are dealt, and uh, they've been real forthright in kind of have a chi- having a chip on their shoulder, wanting to prove doubters wrong because of the quote-unquote losses that they have taken. And uh, that's the attitude you almost have to go into a regular season, much less a regular season opener against the defending Stanley Cup champions come Wednesday night. Well, it's definitely unfortunate with not knowing the status or condition really with Brent Seabrook and then now missing out on Carl Soderberg at the beginning of the year. But this is kind of what has gone on with the entire Blackhawks roster since... I guess Kirby Doc went down. You could even go back a little bit further with Alex Nylander. So this whole Blackhawks organization has just had to adjust on the fly for the past month and a half, two months now. And this is just another result of that. So you'd like to see Soderbergh in there because he kind of created or filled in that depth to fill in those roles when you lose guys like Doc and, and Taze just to help with that depth. And now, once again, you're you're digging at the bottom of the barrel and seeing what some of these younger guys can do or maybe some other guys that give uh, get a, a second chance opportunity here. But once again, this year, there are so many opportunities for so many Blackhawks to really show what they can do on a consistent basis without worrying, if I don't perform that well, am I going to lose my spot? I mean, of course, that's always a possibility, but with all the openings in this roster right now, so many people have an opportunity to just get regular playing time in the NHL level and really get a chance to show what they can bring to the table. And it's really going to be, you know, an adjustment on the fly, trying to find your comfort zone. I think the start of the season with only a nine-day training camp really benefits those veteran teams that haven't had a lot of turnover on their roster. Uh, they may feel a little bit more in sync when the regular season starts for teams like the Blackhawks and others. Um, you're going to have to find a way to, to play together with a lot of new faces here. And just taking a look at what the Blackhawks uh, ran out on Monday in terms of the lines and the pairings. And by the way, uh, Nikita Zadorov was back with the Blackhawks practicing on Monday after uh, having been out. Uh, he came out and said it was tweaking a groin. At uh, last Tuesday's practice, he had been sidelined since then. But Zadorov was back at practice to kind of bring those defensive pairings back into focus. Um, we'll get to those in a moment. But the forward lines, ever since camp began, uh, Dylan Strom, the newly signed Dylan Strom, has been centering Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. Uh, meantime, uh, there's been a little shuffling between those second and third lines. The way that Jeremy Carlton rolled it out on Tuesday was uh, Matthias Janmark, Lucas Walmark, and... Uh, Andrew Shawmark were uh, all on a line, all on a line together. Sorry, I had to throw that in. Um, with Philip Kurashev also kind of rotating in on one of those wings, he has been one of those young guys who's had a fairly impressive camp and a f- good scrimmage on Sunday night at the United Center. Um, the other line outside of uh, the best line in camp, the fourth line, the other line it was rolled on Monday at uh, Fifth Third Arena was Kubalik being centered by Pia Suter and Brandon Peary on the other side. But then Matthew Highmore, David Camp, and uh, Ryan Carpenter, kind of a carryover from what we saw in the Edmonton bubble. That has been the most consistent Blackhawks line, uh, even from an offensive standpoint. That showed through in the scrimmage. Uh, on Sunday night at the United Center when they were really the only concrete line that you expect going into the regular season that was on a white team that ended up beating the red team 8-2. to Highmore had two goals. David Camp had a goal, and there were five points total between that uh, three-man line. So that's the one consistent one being carried over from the bubble. And uh, 
they also probably took a chip on their shoulder trying to defend Strom, Debrinket, and Kane in that uh, in that scrimmage on Sunday night. So uh, that has been the most impressive one so far here, uh, both throughout training camp and through that scrimmage on Sunday. And then your defensive pairings, Keith and Murphy, a couple of veterans expected to be the number one pairing. Uh, Calvin DeHaan and Ian Mitchell have uh, formed a pairing, and you're, you're kind of looking for um, uh, more experience, perhaps a, a more stay-at-home, sizable guy to pair with these young defensemen, Ian Mitchell with DeHaan, and now with Zadorov back. Uh, he started out the first couple of days with Adam Boquist, and those two have been reunited here. And uh, Nicholas Bodan and Lucas Carlson are sticking around, um, at least for the for the time being. Bodan has had a real impressive camp. And uh, in all, the Blackhawks made 10 cuts, and there were also reportedly four guys sent on waivers for the purpose of hoping to get them through waivers and send them through Rockford. So uh, right now, the Blackhawks, 14 forwards without list. This is without including... Seabrook and Soderberg and, and, and Taves, of course, and Doc and Elander. 14 forwards, nine defensemen. Wyatt Kalanuck is also stuck around. Um, by the way, those 14 forwards also including uh, Brandon Hagel and the three goaltenders. So right now, uh, of the active skaters and available skaters and goaltenders, you have a total of 26, including Delia, Subban, and Lankinen, uh being kept around. So uh, a lot of youth there. And, you know, one of the things to, to keep an eye on here, as we said, the cohesiveness and being able to become familiar with these guys on the fly, that's going to be extremely important here, and uh, uh, the team game is after, going to have to be extremely important as well. But Jeremy Carlton and the three guys on that one-fourth line, Highmore, Camp, and Carpenter, continue to set the standard and the tone here with the way this team is going to have to play, at least here at the outset. Uh, quickly on Nicholas Bodin, because you did mention it, and I really liked what Jeremy Colleton had to say the other day about how he He's a big fan of Bodan's assertiveness right now, but he didn't put too much pressure on the guy. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, even if that doesn't last for right now, that's okay. He's a young guy. He's figuring things out. I think I think that that's great encouragement for a head coach to do off the bat in a tough situation like this because, once again, this, this is an opportunity for so many different guys. So you really just want to utilize each guy in their best personal attributes that they possibly can and now, Matthew Highmore had such a good playoff run. You'd like to see that carry over. He's into... unstoppable now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, think every, I think the Highmore sweaters are flying off the shelves right now because everyone, well. everyone saw what he was doing. But, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully that can roll over into this season. And, again, it, it, there's just going to be so much adjustment going on because there are so many unknowns still. So all Blackhawks fans can do right now is is take – Every individual accomplishment as something to look forward to and something to keep an eye on and something to watch for the rest of the year because there's so many individual growth that you need to see perform this throughout the season. As you try to come away with wins and points, uh, the bigger picture is is going to be pieces you want to stick around. Uh, a couple of the veterans that they brought in the offseason in Yanmark and Walmark, um, yeah, you know those in the mid uh, crawling towards the, you know the the upper twenties, uh, more in Yanmark's case. But as you try to solidify yourself defensively, and something that's been missing with um, some uh, you know the inexperience in goal, we've said it time and again. It's going to be crucial for this team to play well defensively and trying to find a way to do that. And it's going to be fun to watch how you know Mitchell progresses with 
uh, Dahan and hopefully Boquist and Zadorov can turn into a, a real good pairing. It's fun to watch Nikita Zadorov, 6'6", 235 pounds out there on the ice. And you, you just uh, see all that uh, potential he already, or potential that has been met, but still another level and he mentioned consistency is what he's going to have to bring most. But when he's rolling out there, you know, Jeremy Carlton's kind of in some of these early drills put Zadorov on Patrick Kane <laughs> and uh, seeing how he can do. And he holds his own against him. So you see the athleticism there, but you also see the brute force. And uh, during his media session on Monday afternoon, it was funny, both Yanmark and Zadorov were on the media session and both were asked about each other. It started with Yanmark saying, being asked what it's like to go up against Zadorov, and he says, well, if you notice, there's a YouTube video that's out there from him a couple of years ago as a Dallas star going up against Zadorov, who just levels him as <laughs> Yanmark tried to enter the zone. So everybody started Googling that, and there you see the physical presence that Zadorov brought, and Zadorov was then asked about it and kind of chuckled and said, uh, yeah, it's out there. I got him pretty good on that one, but we're <laughs> teammates right now. So Boquist Zadorov is going to be fun to watch how much Nicholas Bodan can, uh, with his solid camp, can work himself into the lineup if necessary, if one of these other guys may happen to fall off a little bit. But uh, uh, Ian Mitchell has been an impressive guy from the day the Blackhawks drafted him in 2017 in the second round. And he's going to be paired with Calvin DeHaan. And I'm also curious to see with guys like Keith and Murphy on a top fair and Dahan, a pair and Dahan bringing along Ian Mitchell, uh, uh, how much that can solidify the Blackhawks on the blue line. And after Sunday night scrimmage, we talked to Calvin Dahan in training camp for the first time, and he really had uh, words of praise for his uh, new defensive partner, as well as the Blackhawks' defensive prospect pool as a whole. You'll hear him talking about that. Uh, he also was asked about the, the challenge of continuity and cohesion here. Early in the season with just a nine-day training camp, especially going up against the defending champs on Wednesday night. But uh, he first talked about uh, the opportunity to play in the United Center once again, for the first time, well, for him, it was much longer than 10 months. For the team, it was 10 months. March 11th of last year, that scrimmage happened Sunday, which was January 10th. But getting an opportunity to play in the United Center once again, and for him, the opportunity to return to play uh, in the playoffs uh, in the Edmonton bubble. Obviously, it was a bonus to play in the playoffs and stuff with uh, the way the format happened and the way the league uh, you know, pushed to play, but... It's not much really to say. I just hope I can stay healthy for a year or two here and, uh, you know, hopefully help this team win and um, just keep playing solid hockey. I feel really good during camp and uh, had a great summer and I feel strong on the ice. So um, we'll just continue with that and, and go from there. Hey, Calvin. I mean, obviously, you guys have only been on the ice together for a week here and this isn't the most intense scrimmage that you're going to have. Do you feel ready to play a, a regular season game against the defending champions on Wednesday? Uh, yeah, I think everyone's chomping at the bit here to get going. Um, you know, Tampa is going to be ready, obviously. Um, and it's going to be a good test for us, but, um, you know, I think everyone, you know, once the intensity ramps up, uh, we all, we all work hard for this during the summer and, and during the off season for, for opportunities like this. And I think it's going to be a good test, you know, win or lose, like we, you know, you want to, you want to just be competitive and, and try and, uh, and, and be the best team that you can be. And, uh, and, and then, you know, if whatever happens, happens and, you know, the sun's going to rise the next day and there's mistakes we're going to make, but, you know, we, if we learn from them and continue to push forward, uh, I think it's, you know, we, I think we can surprise some, some teams out there and some some of the hockey experts for sure. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to the year. Do you expect some general sloppiness just in all the games for this first couple of weeks with no preseason to really get that out of the way? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, you know, we're going down to Tampa in, in, in January. I can't imagine the ice is going to be great. Um, pucks will probably be bouncing a little bit and uh, everything. It's 
going to be a little bit of a, um, you know, it'll be a little scrambly out there, but um, you know, they're going to be playing on the same 200 foot ice surface that we are. So it's, it's not really an excuse at the end of the day, but um, I think it's going to, you know, I, I think we'll be, we'll be pretty sharp. I, I hope so anyways. And I, I think we've done a, you know, the coaching staff's done a great job to get us prepared so far. Thank you, Calvin. You, you were talking about taking uh, Ian under your wing. Uh, are you coaching him on, on technical things or just about general things, uh, becoming a better pro? Um, yeah, I think he's already a pro, to be honest. Uh, he's, you know, everyone uh, nowadays seems to be prepared for, for camp and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, just little things on the ice, you know, he's, uh, he's been really receptive and, um, you know, I, I've really done it, tried to do my best to, to help mentor him a little bit on little things, maybe keeping a tighter gap here and there. And, um, you know, it's not all, uh, you know, you don't have to be the flashiest guy out there to, to make a living in this league. And, um, you know, he seems to make the simple play and, you know, honestly, I don't think he really needs any coaching. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's going to be a good player in this league for a long time. And um, I think he's uh, got a really bright future. Do you think you guys have uh, enough time together, given all the, the line changes, to have continuity? Uh, I think so. I mean, Mitchie and I have been paired up pretty much since uh, since day one here, so I'm not really, uh, um, you know, too worried about us. But I think we've uh, developed some chemistry and starting to know where he is on the ice. He's starting to know where I am and our tendencies. And um, like I said, he's been really receptive of the information I'm trying to pass along to him, and uh, I've really enjoyed playing with him. And you know, I hope he'd say the same thing about me, but. Uh, He's uh he's he's an easy player to play with. Hey Calvin, uh, just besides Ian and, and Adam, obviously, what are some of your overall thoughts on on just the young group as a whole on the blue line that uh, the organization is seems to have here in camp with, you know, Kalanuk and Regula, Lucas Carlson, you know, just to name a few on top of the the two. Uh, the yeah, I mean, to, to, I mean, good deer hard to find. Um, you know, we got a plethora of them. It seems like and. Um, you know they're they're coming for my job one day, and I don't want to give it to them. So I gotta. It makes me uh, <laughs> makes me uh, you know you know keep that. That's always in the back of my mind. Um, but at the same time, you know, from an organizational standpoint, it's great to have uh, uh, great depth like that. And um, I think any of those young guys uh, can really step in at any time. Um, you know, it's it's obviously a weird time for everybody, and it's going to be a weird season too. So um, things things might happen, and uh, you know, everyone's got to be ready. But I I don't have any doubt that you know uh, these young lads can't handle the pressure. Joe, one thing that stood out to me in watching that pair Sunday night uh, at the scrimmage at the United Center, Ian Mitchell, who spent decided to spend a third year at Denver last year in order to be the captain in order to hopefully lead Denver to a national championship in a playoff that never happened. Um, he was out there directing guys around before faceoffs, really taking charge. He spoke about that as well with us uh, during a Zoom call following that scrimmage, being uh, super excited to finally be a Blackhawk, finally play at the United Center. But uh, he doesn't back himself down, truly in collegiate captain fashion uh, and, and with a potential for down the road wearing a letter on his sweater here with the Blackhawks. You know, here's a here's a 22, 23 year old kid uh, r- really taking charge and not backing down. It, it just shows the kind of confidence that he has in his play, and he is one of the guys I, I'm really curious and anxious to see how he develops here from night number one, game number one of his NHL career on uh, Wednesday night. Well, he's definitely setting himself up to you know make a leadership impact for this team, maybe down the line or maybe very in the near future. Because I, I really loved how he said. He he doesn't he doesn't want to just sit back because he's young and he's a rookie. 
Um, I, I liked how he said he learned a lot more about leadership by that one more extra year at college. How many times do we see in multiple sports where should a guy go to college? Should a guy hang at college for a little bit more? Or should they just get up to the professional level to you know, c- continue their progression as a professional athlete? And it seems like, at least in the very, very early going, and it's all just lip service right now, but I just really like the guy's attitude for, for the early going with it. And also Calvin DeHaan for texting him right away and be like, hey, we're paired <laughs> up, I can't wait to join you. You know, that just seems like a great way to get that type of relationship off on the right foot and it just you know creates that positive vibe immediately and then that allows Mitchell to maybe just play a little bit more relaxed or at least not feel as much pressure and again going back to it I know I keep saying it there are so many opportunities for these guys but hey if this guy is comfortable maybe he's playing at his highest level of his first year right from the get-go and that that's not that easy to do for most most NHLers in their first season so you know, I, I just really liked everything he had to say. So far, I, I like what they are both saying about each other with this whole camaraderie. I mean, that's got to be great, and especially just because that is these are the types of relationships you really need to have this year for this Blackhawks team. And it's going to be up to you know some of those more experienced guys, be it uh, Calvin DeHaan or Keith or Murphy, if you're talking about uh, defensemen, or uh, up front, uh, whether it's a, a Patrick Kane or... Um, you know, even a, even a Ryan Carpenter, players like that to kind of keep this team on the tracks if there are struggles early, keep them focused because, you know, they come into this season with a chip on their shoulder, but the challenges, as we've been discussing, are going to be many, um, in, in trying to build, you know, some, some kind of cohesion off the top here after just a nine day training camp. You know, and another guy that's going to have to do that that's kind of been, Overlooked because he hasn't been around, but gladly he is back right now is Andrew Shaw. Here's a guy who has also won a couple of Stanley Cups uh, for the Blackhawks. And um, he was another guy who is coming off injury, just like Calvin DeHaan was. And But, you know, uh, it, this wasn't a timetable injury as, as Calvin had with the shoulder surgeries that have plagued him over the course of the last couple years. It was a great unknown. And Andrew Shaw played his last game in the NHL. On November 30th, that's when he suffered, uh, unfortunately, yet another concussion in a game at Colorado. So it took him a long, long time to get himself back ready again, as you know, uh, most athletes do when they suffer multiple concussions. And he had an interesting uh, give and take with reporters here last week for the, me speaking with him for the first time at, that they could now that he was back on the ice and back in action. Just 26 games last year and uh, off the radar for a long time. But as he returned on the ice with his teammates, um, you know, doing normal hockey things for the first time in 13 months. When he spoke with us, you could really get a sense of relief. So we want to bring that to you now here as well, as he met with the media last Wednesday, uh, being asked, among other things, if he ever thought seriously that his career would be over after this last concussion, and uh, about um, uh, him kind of rehabbing his entire body, him really bonding with his family, using that opportunity to bond with his family as he dealt with the great unknown and being at peace with the fact that if his hockey career was over, he would be very happy to do that. He also picked up a new hobby during the course of uh, his recovery here. And uh, he began this Q&A with reporters last Wednesday talking about or being asked about having more of a leadership role as one of the veteran guys as some familiar faces have gone and he's now surrounded by several new faces that he's never played with before. 
I always look at myself as a leader, so I don't think anything's going to change there. I try to make sure the uh, young kids feel welcome and try to uh, raise the compete level out there. So uh, I'm going to keep continuing to do that. And, you know, when they're, uh, when they're healthy and ready to come back, uh, it's, it's going to be huge for us. With your injury last year and your recovery from it, do you see yourself playing any differently this season? Maybe fine tweaking, but um, how I play is why I'm here. So I'm going to, you know, stick to that as best I can without uh, putting myself in vulnerable situations. What has this last year been like for you? I mean, how, how bad did things get? I mean, did you ever wonder if you were ever going to play again? Oh, it crossed my mind. Um, but, you know, Chicago uh, training staff and doctors made sure I saw the people I needed to see to get better. And it really was just committing to, uh, to making sure I felt better. Uh, whether or not I was going to play or not, wasn't my first goal my first goal was to get better and feel like myself and with the help of the uh black Hawk organization my family my wife my kids uh made it doable i mean obviously there was times where it was tough and and exhausting and you know but grinded grinded every day grinded uh months to a year to uh to get where i am so it's good to know i can get back to feeling good um uh, you know, I make sure I'm eating well, doing everything I can to make sure my body uh, and my head feel good. So uh, I'm ready. I'm excited and I'm hungry. So can't wait for the uh, first game to, you know, for the puck to drop. How do you balance that style you play with the knowledge that, you know, you need to be careful that, you know, these things are progressive like that? Oh, uh, you know, I can't play scared. I mean, if I play scared, I'm just going to end up putting myself in vulnerable positions. You know, I critique my game a little bit. Uh, I worked with Brian Keane on scanning, uh, making sure I know where, where everybody is and you know, making sure my head's up and just being more confident with the puck uh, so I can see what's in front of me and behind me. And I think that's been going pretty well for me. I feel good, feel confident, and I feel strong on my feet. So uh, I'm excited to, uh, to get out there and start this year. Uh, I, I want to know, like, emotionally, if you uh... – ever went through any down moments uh, through this this process of getting back? And then what is it like for you seeing so many new faces from the last time and getting acclimated? I mean, you know, it's tough to even know uh, all, all the young prospects because I was gone for three years and was only here for a short period of time last year before I got hurt. So all these young kids, it's they're all new faces, but they all look like great hockey players. They're all great human beings. So I'm excited to uh, get to know them on a – on a bigger level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to get to know everyone. You know, you make new friends, make new memories, and I look forward to it. You know, there are a lot of guys that aren't here anymore. Uh, what, what is that like for you not around anymore? Uh, I mean, I'm going to get to go to war with a bunch of new people and new teammates, and they're going to get to see what I get to bring to the table, and hopefully they can feed off that as much as I can feed off them. Hey, Andrew, welcome back. Uh, I noticed you were wearing a visor uh, for the first few days of camp here. Is, is that just uh, to go along with sort of giving yourself a little bit more safety uh, head life? Yeah, I mean, nose has been broken a few times. I've had enough cuts in my face. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty as it is right now. I don't want to make that any worse. So uh, I think it's both precautionary and just uh, sick of bleeding everywhere. <laughs> And uh, is there any other than, you know, protecting yourself more? Is there anything else you've been working on this past nine months or ten months or, or however long uh, to 
to improve on for this coming season? Um, to to have a you know almost fourteen months off, I actually really got to work on rehabbing my entire body, not just my head. I mean, back, shoulders, neck, legs, hips, everything. So it was kind of nice to uh, to reset, start over, start fresh. Uh, you know, get my posture to where it needs to be, and you know, work on my diet. I had so much time at home with my my wife and kids, and it was uh, it was a nice you know breath of fresh air and when I was in the gym six days a week or you know two hours a day um you know I started doing yoga Pilates and I worked on you know my mental health as well as my physical health and like I said I, I feel great I'm excited for this year and uh can't wait to get out there and play some more hockey I wanted to ask you if, if there was a, a breakthrough moment or the point in this past calendar year uh when and you knew you were good and you were going to, this was definitely going to happen. And also I want to ask you as well about uh, Jeremy's influence on you through all this. Uh, breakthrough moment. I mean, like I said, I didn't focus on getting back to hockey. I focused on getting healthy. And then when I did get healthy, uh, I was feeling really good um, as the boys were in the bubble and, you know, watching that, those games and just, that love for hockey just sparked again, you know, I obviously feeling down and, and sore and in pain and, you know, having headaches, you know, it's tough to, to love the game at that point. So that's why I focused on getting better before I made a decision. And when I got better, I knew I could get there again, if anything ever happened again. Um, so I, I, I was, I'm excited. Um, and I had a few talks with Jeremy, obviously missing a lot of time. Uh, it's, it's tough to jump back into the season. So I made sure I kept in contact with him. Um, you know, we had some Zoom calls to go over systems, style of play, everything like that. So I made sure when I got here at camp, I was ready. I wasn't just ready to play. I was ready system-wise because uh, missing so much time, timing can be tough. Um, so I just wanted to make sure, and, and Jeremy was was happy to help. And uh, it's, it's huge when you have a coach that will go the lengths for you that way and you know, I appreciate it, and like I said, I'm ready. I'm excited. Just curious, like, what was the toughest period for you? Was it, you know, a couple weeks after you were out, a couple months, and you know, anything specific where, you know, that you struggled with the most during the first few months of, of getting better? I mean, it was tough. Uh, obviously, December, January, we're, you know, fresh off the injury, you know, but I also, it was nice. The Blackhawks actually allowed me to go home early spent a week home at Christmas with my family just to kind of clear my head. And then my son was born in January. They also let me go home for that. So I got to spend a lot of time with my family um, in the process of healing as well. I think that helped a lot. I mean, obviously it was tough being away from the game and, and the guys in the room, but to be able to spend that time with my family, I think helped me push through this, helped me get better. Uh, it let me see life without hockey and knowing that, if anything happened to me, injury-wise, I'm good. I'm okay without hockey. I'll survive. You know, Andrew Shaw is not hockey. You know, I, I have a life outside of hockey. I have a family. I have friends. Um, but, you know, I missed it. And uh, I'm going to play as long as I can, just knowing mentally that uh, Andrew Shaw is going to be okay with with life without hockey. It was It was nice to feel that. And... I think that drove me to be a little bit hungry to play hockey as long as I can as well, knowing that uh, 
life after hockey is going to be you know, pretty amazing. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with my family and kids. So I think, yeah, it was tough through, you know, those months, but having them there helped me push through it. Um, and then the whole lockdown thing, uh, I was kind of prepared for it mentally. I mean, I had a gym at home. So when we at home, I made sure I was in the gym six days a week. Um, I fell in love with cooking over the summer. So I cooked almost every meal for my family, which was fun. Got to make sure I was eating healthy, clean stuff and made me feel better in the gym. And then I started skating again in, in July, just slowly ramped it up and made sure I came down here like six weeks before camp, just so I could uh, get some intense skates and make sure I'm full throttle, ready to go. You got a specialty item uh, that you can, your best thing. What's your best thing that you cook now? Well, I, I bought a, a Traeger, a smoker grill. Uh, so just I go to the butcher, buy some good quality meat, smoke it up. You know, I have uh, my, you know, my bubble over my, my family and kind of just relaxed. Uh, I don't know, briskets, uh, pulled pork tacos you know any, anything you can think of we we tried lamb chops were good salmon was good so i had a lot of fun with it um obviously your health you said was the first thing that you were focused on when you did clear that hurdle and you felt like yourself again what was that process like of you know talking with your family and the decision to want to play again um it wasn't even just talking to my family it was talking to experts and doctors and i took advice from everybody um and no one wanted to help me make the decision. You know, my family didn't want me to regret them for making me retire or, you know, to make me play and then get hurt again. You know, they told me their concerns and I took it all into perspective and, you know, I made sure the best, the most important thing was I made sure I was feeling good and, and ready to play and confident out there. And I am and made my decision a lot easier. You've always had a kind of a big brother, little brother relationship with, with Patrick Kane. Uh, one area you have uh, the upper hand is uh, being a father of uh, a couple kids now. Uh, have you given Patrick any advice? And, and what do you think about big brother uh, having a son? Um, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, now he gets to see what life without hockey is. And I think it's healthy. I think it's great mentally. Um you know, you, you might go home upset after a game, but you see your your, uh, your little boy in the morning smiling, laughing, or, or your little girl, but it doesn't matter. And it's amazing. Um, the frustrations and, and heartaches of hockey kind of just, you know, dust off your shoulders when you, you have a kid. I feel like uh, I told him to make sure you don't take it home because you want to be happier on your kid. You want to show him the positive things that working hard and competing can, can bring to your life and I think he's he's excited for it. I mean, uh, I always send him videos of the kids, and you know, in hopes he sends me some back, and he does. You know, it's being a father is a different and different animal. I mean, it's exhausting, but it's uh, it's totally worth it. Um, I also told him you got to make sure uh, Amanda's happy because a uh, happy wife, happy life. I mean. Uh, moms go through a lot i mean being at home um this past year you got to see how exhausting and tiring it can be so help out whenever you can i mean hockey wives are, are great you know when it's game day and, and night before games they make sure we're rested and ready to play you know when you get an off day 
you know, chip in, help out, pull your weight. What was it like stepping on the ice with the guys in the last couple of days and just kind of getting back out there to, to your, your true first love and, and what you've done your entire life? Um, watching uh, first day of camp on the ice, I watched the first practice for a bit and caused a lot of anxiety just seeing how exhausting it looked and then uh, knowing that, oh, yeah, I haven't been in a practice in over a year. Um, so I was a little nervous, but once I got out there, you know, things went smooth, felt great, confident. So uh felt pretty good getting out there with the guys. Joe, number 65, has always been a, a real good interview, a real fun guy to be around, whether he's on the record or off the record. But uh, you couldn't help but notice or hear during the course of that interview with reporters last week uh, how refreshed, how invigorated he sounds. And the main thing here with the makeup of this team is it tries to get to know one another as it tries to 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 build its own identity um hearing that refreshment hearing that those recharged batteries just in his voice we certainly hope for andrew's sake it it stays that way you wouldn't help the kind of injuries that he has suffered on anyone but uh you heard him talk about the different things he was doing to rehab his entire body and hopefully there's a lot more shelf life and many more years left on this andrew shaw career in the nhl it was just very cool because it's a very different andrew shaw but it's still Fatherhood. so. But it's still so Andrew Shaw. Yeah. You know, he, he, even when he was the edgy, gritty uh, fan favorite player, which he still pretty much is. But you know, he he was that guy that you know, maybe a little youthful, maybe a little playful, and now now he's just still a, that genuine human, but a little bit more mature. Um, so it will be interesting to see what type of player he still is on the ice. He said he, he's going to play the same way he's played because that's what got him to the NHL, which is very true. But, I mean, that's going to be tough to balance that and still being a little bit more cautious. He kind of mentioned in that, uh, answering Lazarus's questions, how you know you can't play scared, you got to make sure your head is up. But, but it is going to be tough, and, and you do worry about him because he's such a competitive spirit that you don't want him to maybe just get lost in the game and, and put himself at risk for you know, some more injuries down the line or, you know, even worse things. That's exactly what you want to avoid. But it just seemed like he went about that whole process the perfect way. And it also seems like that's what he needed, that long, long layoff to get himself right, to figure out what he wanted, to figure out what his family wanted. And it's just so cool how he said, uh, you know, the family told him they want him to make the decision. They don't want to put an influence on which way he goes and then he might regret them for leaning him towards that one way whether it's to keep playing or to not and it just seemed like he's he found out so much about himself he just kind of got reinvigorated because he was away from the game for so long that he just had that urge to get back but to get back at a at a better at a better happenstance or just a better overall product because he said he worked on his mental health along with his physical health. And I don't know if you can do that while you're still trying to balance a hockey schedule on in that in that, type, that tight kind of schedule. So, I mean, it seems like this guy really took advantage of the rehab for the off uh, time period and then just for all the accommodations he has at home. Too. It's, the, it's that fine line between his reckless abandon style that yeah. he has played throughout his whole career and being smart enough to do that. And a lot of players have, have difficulty finding that fine line. We, we certainly hope he does and has a lot more left to give on the ice, but you heard him there talking about, you know, how much at peace he is with, uh, 
even if he wasn't able to come back, that that was the end last year if it needed to be. He was in a really good place. And uh, let's hope the, the, the face stays as pretty uh, as it is right now using the visor. Um, there's that Andrew Shaw sense of humor that you love hearing so much. Um, the Hawks should do a cooking show. They should do some type of cooking show with him right? now. Some, some brisket. He, he gets fine meats from his... Uh, <laughs> From his uh, from his guy up uh, up there in Canada, so uh, all the best to uh, Andrew Shaw. And you know, it's kind of a theme here we've been hearing from guys who have struggled with injuries. Uh, Andrew Shaw, Calvin DeHaan. Uh, speaking of Chicago Blackhawks uh, being satisfied with their career, as you just heard Andrew Shaw did, and seeing the big picture and feeling it is time. Uh, one great uh, former Blackhawk who just recently left has indeed called it a career. Looking at Crow, I mean, he stood on his head, and he's obviously a, probably the biggest reason why he won this game. Oilers get it, however. Nugent Hopkins left corner. Put it across, bottom of the near circle. Great cycle with a shot, and Crawford reacts. Moves off the right post to the left and got in front of that shot and made a big save, possibly the game saver. McNabb firing for the left circle once and then twice. Crawford stopped them both, and then a close-in chance from Carlson was turned out of there by Crawford. The Golden Knights thought they'd scored a goal. Just settling us down back there. That's a, what a good goalie does, and he certainly is that. Osamal clears the rebound to the near board. has put it out in front. Backhand shot by Lee, and Crawford gobbles it up. Loose puck in the crease and a scramble again. And Crawford lays on his side and stacks the pads. Stops the next shot, and a big pileup ensues in the Hawks' crease. And a standing ovation for the effort of Corey Crawford. Weger on the left wing side. Sent it in over the Hawks line. Ekblad put it in front. Oh, and a point blank chance there from Halla. Turned wide by Crawford with a huge save. He got his body in front of that somehow. We're impressed, but we're definitely not surprised that Crow shows up and plays the way he did. The Sundquist fed a wide open left circle and a big shot and a big save by Crawford. Scrambling over to deny Mackenzie McKeckard. Corey sensed that he was there and did his level best to get across the crease, and he did. I believe he stopped two shots by McEachern in that volley. What can I say about Corey? He was he was unbelievable. Johnny Boychuk winds it around up the left wing side. De Bergeron in front of the benches at center ice. So Marchand over the Hawk line. Drops to the Yager. Cuts into the slot. Shoots. Blood save made by Crawford. Yager can fire the puck pretty hard, and he was going for the top right corner. Crawford once again beat him with a glove with another sensational save. Just settling us down back there. That's what a good goalie does, and he certainly is that. Joe, I feel like we just did this podcast when uh, Corey Crawford uh, signed with the New Jersey Devils uh, in free agency as we saluted uh, the great career that he has with the Blackhawks. But when all is said and done, somewhat surprisingly, maybe not so surprising to others, his entire the entire span of his playing career is now as a Chicago Blackhawk. As uh, Corey reported to the New Jersey Devils for the first two days of training camp, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, felt something wasn't quite right. We believe from just a heart and mind standpoint, not an injury standpoint, uh, because he has certainly had enough of those during the latter stages of his Blackhawks career, but uh, he decided that uh, that was going to be it. Uh, he wasn't going to be putting what was uh, an awesome New Jersey Devils goalie mask uh, on anymore after a couple of days of practice and would not be playing for the New Jersey Devils. Corey Crawford, who turned 36 on New Year's Eve, decides to call it a career, uh, an entire career that spans with the Blackhawks. We mentioned some of these numbers uh, when they parted ways with him, second all-time in save percentage among 
among the goalies you consider who have played enough games for that to be legit. In franchise history, second in save percentage, third in wins with 260, third in minutes played. Um, you know, uh, the playoff numbers, 52 all-time playoff wins. That tops any Chicago Blackhawks goaltender in franchise history. The 918 and 238 save percentage during the postseason. The five shutouts, one of which capped off the 2015 uh, Blackhawk Stanley Cup run and the 2 nothing victory over, ironically, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, no telling uh, how great Corey Crawford was. Uh, again, um, sorry to see his career end, but at the same time, um, you know, there is a little bit of satisfaction that it does end strictly as a Chicago Blackhawk. And when fans are allowed back in, Corey, I'm sure, is going to be uh, honored in, in one fashion or another uh, once uh, – he can get his just due and, and receive all the applause that he so richly deserves here in Chicago. I'm sure the hockey world is definitely surprised by this news. And again, this is a few days after the fact now. But, you know, here in Chicago, we were kind of tossing around the idea that this could possibly happen, mainly because Corey Crawford has two Stanley Cup championships. Corey Crawford has cemented himself as one of, if not the best, Blackhawks goaltender in franchise history. He's definitely the most successful one. So he's had one heck of a career. He's already shown what type of hockey player he is overall, and he's gone through some really hard stuff. And, and concussions being one of them. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people would have understood if Corey Crawford called his career by the end of this past season, maybe even if he didn't come back to the bubble, but he still did. He played his you-know-what off, and he helped the Blackhawks win a series kind of out of nowhere. Um, so you, you just can't say enough about the guy's competitive spirit. Um, you're right. We did talk about this when he had moved on and signed a deal with the New Jersey Devils. So the only the only thing I kind of empathize, I shouldn't say empathize, I've never been a hockey goaltender. The only <laughs> thing I sympathize with him for is this probably isn't the way he wanted to go out because he just signed a two-year deal with New Jersey. So this is a guy that clearly still wanted to play a little bit more. I think in the long run, it's probably the best decision for him. So I'm happy that he was able to come to terms with himself to go ahead and do this. Um, But I'm sure that is a little bit frustrating just with that competitive spirit, just being a professional athlete to having to call it quits and, you know, in a very... Uh, more generous way than that type of term, but but to put a bow on your whole career when he probably wasn't entirely ready for it, but I, I think it's a wise move, and again, he's going to go down as one of the greatest Blackhawks ever. You know, I think it was, he just realized for two days he's going to have to live in New Jersey, and maybe, <laughs> that's, maybe, that's, maybe that's what changed this his mind. This is the Saturday Night Live skit with the, <laughs> the blind mare. But, but uh, yeah, exactly, but um, you know, a fitting in that montage you heard a couple of, of, of moments ago, on some of Corey's highlights, uh, very fitting that, you know, his exclamation point, not just on his Blackhawk career, but now his career as a whole, came in that magnificent lights-out performance in Game 4 against Vegas that kept his team alive yeah. for at yeah. least one more game. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think that kind of puts uh, the period exclamation point on, you know, what was a, a fabulous career for a guy who... Took what uh, five, six, seven years in the minors to scratch and claw his way up to a number one job here, 
and then uh, hold it down, hold it down for the most part during the course of, of that time before splitting time with Robin Leonard. Uh, just fantastic and very fitting. He he wound things up in that game number four with the performance that he had. I do want to, uh, I wish I could find it right now. Hopefully I can while I'm just uh, filibustering right now. <laughs> uh, Mark Potash had a fantastic tweet about Corey Crawford. Here it is. I was able to find it. Ding, Corey, ding, ding. Corey Crawford is now 14-5 and five in playoff elimination. Let me try that again. Corey Crawford is now 14-5 and five in playoff elimination games in his Blackhawks career. And uh, that was that was August 16th. So that that is when they finished yep. off the season, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, that, that number alone. That yeah. number alone is so cool. Yeah. It, and it's just it, it just kind of epitomizes everything that the Blackhawks did in that run. There's no way they'd be able to do it without Corey Crawford. And the other thing is, I mean, teammates loved him. They adored him. They always had his back. You know, no matter what was going on with what the latest scoop was or or any um Anything he had to sit out for, his his teammates always had his back, and especially when he couldn't train with the team because he had COVID, they had the utmost confidence in him, and he totally backed it up in that playoff run, which was just so cool to see. Um, I, I agree. It It is a little bit more poetic knowing that he's ending his career and it's bookending as a Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, again, feel a little bit for him, probably not entirely the way he wanted to go, but one heck of a career. No one can take anything away from that. Yeah, and I, I, first of all, I miss being in locker rooms after morning skates and after games and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, for all of us, whenever he would come in, you know, he'd be one of the guys still out on the ice after a, a morning skate if he wasn't if he wasn't going to be the starter that night or after a practice. You know, and if reporters were in when he'd come lumbering in with all his equipment, if he happened to be passing you by, you know, we're not a teammate, but he'd come by and give you the old glove for the knuckle, knuckle, uh, knuckle punches he walks by you and... How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> always, always uh, warm and friendly and very down to earth. Our very best to Corey and his family. Hope everything is well. Hope everything stays well. And congratulations on a magnificent career. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have any? Uh, do you have any? Bo- I, I probably shouldn't throw myself into this because I'm pre and post game host. But uh, do you have any any bold predictions or thoughts or? Um, you know, just uh, overall expressions here before we get set to drop the puck here on Wednesday night for this, for this uh, ah, pretty normal 2021 season. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'll I'll be honest. I I didn't anticipate this question, even though I I do know it's buried in there in the email somewhere. <laughs> um, I'll go with this. I'll I'll say a a great turnaround year for Dylan Strome. How about that? Okay. I mean. He's uh, and it will be needed. Yeah, and I mean he's he's probably going to be at that top line for the foreseeable future. He'll be playing with the Brinkett, who he's shown he's had great chemistry with. He's got Patrick Kane too. Again, early going, but I imagine if they play well, it'll stay like that. And you know he's got a little bit more um, security with that two-year contract. So yeah, let's go with that. Dylan Strom. I'll just go fifty-six and zero, my friend. Okay, the, uh, all right. And this this season will go beyond May eighth. Really glad um, I went first. Right. So um, good stuff. Yeah. I like that, and, and yes, there will need Dylan Strom to to be a factor. Hopefully, Carl Soderberg will be here uh, shortly and kind of shore, shore things up. And hopefully, um, Jonathan Taves gets some answers here. 
pretty soon on his health situation. That's most important if it happens that uh, he can he can return sometime this season. Um, you know, you can't hold your breath on that. The most important thing is is the captain's health overall here, and uh, hopefully we'll see him at some point before May is over, but at least uh, get some answers. We want to, if you hadn't heard already, uh, first of all, we did tell you the name change on the podcast, but we're also doing a weekly show here on WGN from 7 to 8 on Monday nights, usually called Blackhawks Live. It's presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Nick Ismondi, you're familiar with him through his uh, television reporting work with the Blackhawks games last season, and myself will be hosting every Monday night between 7 and 8. There will be exceptions, including week number two next week when we're on from 9 to 10. But by and large, the Blackhawks are not playing on Monday nights. I think there's four instances uh, during these four months where they are, so we'll push those to Tuesday and in one case a Wednesday. But uh, join us from 7 to 8 every week for Blackhawks Live, and uh, it'll just be an hour focused on the Blackhawks, and we'll have players, coaches, uh, members of, of management on, alumni, uh, you name it. Uh, an hour strictly devoted to the Blackhawks. Uh, we'll certainly have some fun talking about that. It's just uh, fun talking about hockey and Blackhawks action after uh, all the unknowns here over the uh, course of the past uh, 10 months. And you also, Joe, I, you know, overall, we have to brace ourselves for, you know, perhaps this thing changing on the fly, as we've seen with the Dallas Stars. They knock out the first two games of their season already against the Florida Panthers, who will now open against the Blackhawks instead because they had a little bit of an outbreak and uh, they just decided to play it safe and cautious. There's going to be a couple of games rescheduled now. And I think, you know, whether it's the Blackhawks or anyone else, NFL certainly had to do a whole lot of juggling here. And as we enter this season with um, all the unknowns, you know, Columbus had to shut down, I think, for a day or two. Um, by the way, the Tampa Bay Lightning, before the return to play, they had to shut their facility down before eventually becoming the Stanley Cup champions uh, once that uh, wild playoff was done. So I think you know we have to remain open-minded and, and ready for anything as uh, we proceed on this season. Well, that's pretty much the whole main theme of right. this past year. You know, don't get too comfortable. Get ready to adjust. Uh, I mean, l- even look at Tampa Bay. They just said a few days ago that they were originally going to have fans, and then they put right. the wabash on that on Saturday. So, yeah, it's you know I think every sport is pretty much understood with it. They've come to terms with it, and they understand. But again, it's just another reason for all these teams to take as many precautions as possible, and you know not just to get a hockey season in, but to help protect the world and not spread this disease anymore. But uh, I think it was Dylan Strome that said Jeremy Collison's doing a good job of reminding them on a daily mm-hmm. basis uh, just to follow all those precautions and all those rules. So. You know, we've seen teams do it, follow the book to a T, and not have an outbreak whatsoever. Hopefully the Blackhawks can be one of those this year. And again, sometimes it's in your control, sometimes it's not. But the best you can do is take the precautions you can and hope for the best. Good to have you back, my friend, back on the uh, now Blackhawks... 720 podcast here when we do our next one probably sometime of the weekend uh again as we deal with the great unknown uh, maybe get a couple games under our belt so we can react to some of that so uh, look for our next blackhawk 720 podcast 
uh, coming up at some point this weekend. We will certainly let you know. The WGN uh, Radio uh, and WGN Radio Sports Twitter accounts will let you know. WGNRadio.com as well. I'm at at Bowden Tweets, and Joe is at at Joe underscore brand one. That's the number one. And uh, again, the uh, best way is to subscribe. We continue to pump that. Now the Blackhawk 720 podcast. Subscribe to it, and uh, it'll be there for you whenever one becomes available. want to thank you for listening. Also thanks to Ernie Scatton and our producer, Curtis Koch. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Get a couple of regular season games under our belt as there is once again, finally, Blackhawks hockey coming your way. Be safe, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.